Hello, and welcome to Only Lovers Book Club, where I get together with my favorite pinup girls, and we get together and we read a romance. We take turns, and this month it was Andrea's turn, and she had us reading The Accidental Pinup by Danielle Jackson, right? That's what it says. Woof! I just winged that, by the way. I was like, is her name Danielle? Who knows? We'll find out. Before I tell you about the book and the author, we, you know, we get together on YouTube. If you're listening to us, then we're going to go ahead and kind of describe what our outfits are, what the theme was, right? So this was like photography, pinup. And so we all kind of came dressed um, in the theme. This is kind of like our Only Lovers Christmas party too, because this is our last hangout of 2022. Uh, and so we all just kind of, you know, did our best. <laughs> and by did our best, I mean me. I did my best. Uh, everyone else knocked it out the park. So what am I wearing, you ask? Uh, I tried to do like a pinupy kind of like Rosie the Riveter kind of look. Like my hair is like in a poof. Got the red bandana. I attempted makeup, but I was a little emotional while I was applying the makeup. So it might be a little runny. <laughs> red lips, dramatic eyes, rosy cheeks. And then I've got these gold earrings that say bebesota on them because I'm not a bebesita. And yeah, that's the extent of my, my look. Uh, my background, my chosen background is just like a, a room or like a living room. I'm gonna pretend it's this office, the office for the photography studio with the sunlight streaming in, which was very important to our main character. Sunlight, making things look a certain way. So that's me. Um, why don't you guys you, tell? I think you forgot to say though your um low cut shirt that oh. provides a great view of your clavicles. Oh yes, uh, of course. <laughs> and it's funny I don't have highlighter, so I wasn't able to accentuate them. But I also no, didn't it's want okay. I can I can appreciate their natural beauty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a low cut long sleeve shirt that I generally don't wear, but I made sure to lock the room and put the heater on high, and so now it's actually fairly tropical in here. Uh, <laughs> so um, why don't y'all um, let the let the audience, the listening audience, know uh, what you're wearing, how you're sticking to the theme, what your background is, if you've got one. Okay, so I uh, <laughs> I considered trying to dress up as um, like some sort of uh, sexy model, um, of which there are many in this book, both of the pinup kind and the lingerie kind and the swimsuit kind. Um, but in the end, I decided to go more with like the cool photographer look. Um, so I have a sleeveless black turtleneck top and some gold earrings and a black and white um, like head wrap uh, wrapped around my head. I put on a little bit of makeup and I have my um, Nikon camera <laughs> around my neck slash resting on a stack of books. So I'm not actually feeling the weight of it <laughs> for the entire hangout. <laughs> and, and then my background is, well, I Googled boudoir studio and found one um, that showed a model in some white lacy lingerie kind of doing a pose next to a Christmas tree that's decorated all in white. So I thought that was a uh, perfect for a hangout today. <laughs> the background is very satisfying. Um, I tried to look like a pinup. <laughs> I googled, I googled a uh, pinup makeup, and so I tried to recreate it. So I've got the cat eye that from here looks good. It's not even, but I did my best. It kept getting longer and longer the more I was like trying to fill it in, and then I drew on a uh, little beauty mark on my cheek. I put on the brightest red lipstick that I have and I had straightened my hair the other day. So what I did is I, I put my makeup wash headband on to try to look like a, like a pinup that has finished the shoot and I've put my robe on to cover my decency <laughs> and now I'm lounging. I don't have a background because I didn't think to put one before we started filming. So I was like, whatever, that's fine. I'll distract people yeah, with a big ass bow on my makeup, head. <laughs> your makeup looks so professional. <laughs> Just, Thanks. I was, it was, I was, I gave it a shot. I, I tried. I darkened my eyebrows a bunch with my Vivek Cosmetics brow pencil. No, it is very effective. It looks very good. Like as soon as I got onto the call, I was like, whoa, Tashai, you're looking good. But then I had seen Drea previously and I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, so I'm just, I might have to turn down the heat on my heater because it's <laughs> getting a little, I'm getting a little sweaty just looking at you guys. It's you have that effect on me. 
If this is your first time visiting our channel, make sure that you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. If you already subscribed and you're running across our video, make sure to like it. And if you're listening to it, uh, feel free, if you're in the Christmas spirit, to leave us a review and a rating. That's always really helpful. It helps people find our show. Let me tell you a little bit about the accidental pinup, which I actually have a physical copy of. And then I'll tell you a little bit about Danielle Jackson, uh, according to her uh, author website. And then Dre's gonna explain to me why she chose this book. <laughs> Rival photographers are forced to collaborate on a body positive lingerie campaign, but they might have to readjust their focus when sparks fly. Photographer Cassie Harris loves her job. Her company, Buxom Boudoir, makes people look beautiful and feel empowered with her modern twist on the classic pickup photography. Cassie's best friend, Dana, is about to launch her own lingerie line and wants Cassie to shoot and direct in the career-changing national campaign. But company politics and Dana's complicated pregnancy interfere, and Cassie finds herself a proud plus-size Black woman, not behind the camera, but in front of it. Though she's never modeled herself, Cassie's pretty sure she can handle the sheer underwear and caution tape bralettes. She's not sure she can work so intimately with the chosen photographer, Reed Montgomery, her longtime competitor in Chicago's photography scene. But there's more to read. Is there? But there's more to read. Easygoing demeanor and flashy photo style. Their chemistry is undeniable on set and feelings can develop faster than film. This is from daniellejacksonbooks.com slash about. About Danielle. Danielle Jackson is a contemporary romance author, avid reader, lackluster yet mighty crafter, and accomplished TV binge watcher. Once upon a time, she was a publicist in publishing and continues to cultivate her love of books and reading by chatting with best authors, with the best authors in the business, as an event coordinator at an independent bookstore, and as the co-host of the Fresh Fiction podcast, which I subscribe to. She also moderates panels, interviews authors, and hosts a romance book club. This woman is living my life, the life I want. Danielle lives in Chicagoland with her very own romance hero, husband, darling daughter, and two tempestuous cats. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram at djacksonbooks. And I'll make sure to link it in our show notes and in our uh, video description. If you haven't read The Accidental Pinup, this is your sign to stop, cease, desist, go read it, and then come back and listen to our episode. There will be spoilers. We're going to discuss the entire thing, every single bra, every single G-string. So do yourself a favor if, if you don't want spoilers. If, you don't, if you're like me and you don't care about spoilers, just hang out. It's cool. Drea, why did you pick this book for us to read? I don't regret it. I I, I enjoyed it, but I I need to know I need to know your, you know your your process, and then give me yeah. your overall impressions. So the first thing that caught my attention was just the cover. I think it has a very very cool sort of enticing cover. Um, and then the second was that I. I don't know that I've read a romance that revolves around like photography and being the model, but I used to devour America's Next Top Model. <laughs> and, and you know, there'd always be like those behind the scenes romances and stuff in the house. And um, so that's kind of where my mind immediately went. And I was like, oh, this could be this could be really fun. Um, so and, and then I just. Um, I also really enjoy picking romances by debut authors. I think it's really fun uh, to just discover them at the very beginning of their career, you know, and then um, that's always something that like in the future, maybe we do another book by the same author. Like that's always really fun for me. So yeah, I would say cover the whole photography model thing. Um, and then just the fact that it was a fellow 2022 debut. Did you want to share your overall thoughts now? Like now that we're done oh, reading yeah. it? Um, I, I read it pretty fast. I think it's a very fast, light read. Um, like if you're looking for a like rom-com-y kind of, you know, thing, I think this kind of fits the bill. Um, I enjoyed it overall. What about you, Tash? What were your overall impressions for the accidental pinup? I had a good time reading it. Uh, I read it pretty quickly. 
Um, and I liked the concept of it. I thought that our main heroine was like more interesting than her romantic lead. So that's definitely something that stood out to me. I thought he was going to be a little more interesting. Um, but you know, his family dynamics were kind of the thing that were used to add a little spice to his personality. Um, whereas I don't know that I would have been super interested in him other than the fact that he was really hot. But even with that, he was, you know, coming for my job. So <laughs> I think that the other women who work in the studio were really interesting and they were fun to be surrounded by. Um, and I wish that this had come with, because I, I, I borrowed the digital copy from the library but if I had had a physical copy I wish that it had included like sketches of what these behind the scenes could have looked like because I had a little bit of trouble trying to picture some of the clothing even though it sounded like it was really cool um so that's something that I kind of would have wanted to get some guidance on visually um because even some of the concepts that they were throwing around for the photo shoots, it's like, yeah, this is going to be really edgy. And I'm reading the descriptions. I'm like, is it <laughs> edgy? Because I feel like looking at this, I don't know that it would give what it thinks it's giving. But I appreciate the efforts that were put into creating a photography atmosphere that was like cutting edge. And also just centering around like plus size women and, you know, women with more realistic body types. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a fun read. I knew they were going to end up together. I thought that the way that they settled things at the end was pretty good. It wasn't like a quick forgive and forget, which I assumed would be what was happening. So I appreciate that. I wish I had heard more about some of the other characters. Again, I just think Reed was pretty boring, in my opinion, as like a romantic lead. So I could have done with like less of him and more of like basically everybody else. <laughs> but but it was a fun time. I had a fun time reading it. And obviously I had a fun time putting together the look for today because it's it's fun to play around with the idea of like boudoir and like photography and stuff. <laughs> Gotta agree with you on Reed Montgomery. Yikes. Um Listen, the the leads were very sweet. Cassie's just amazing. And so her level of amazingness was just so, and not even in a way that made her seem like just very generic and just very cut and paste. On her own, on the page, she just sounded like an amazingly accomplished, gorgeous person. And then here comes fucking Reed Montgomery. Who's just some guy. That and name. I think that was the perfect name for him, though. I mean, it was. It was. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I did think I think I thought the romance was very sweet. But similar to what you're saying, Tishai, I also felt like, OK, they're going to get together. We're just going to see. We'll see how it happens. I mean, the book did surprise me. But the parts I found myself enjoying the most were the parts with friends, because honestly, kind of reminded me of us a little bit, you know? I was like, God, if we ever had a business, this is probably what it would be like. And I was trying to like, match. you know how we started a character match? So I was trying to like real person character match, like which one of us is to shy and which one of us is, you know, whatever. I also had a hard time imagining that the uh, lingerie was as like groundbreaking and uh, risque. And like, honestly, it just sounded just, I don't know. It was hard for me to picture how like, like what do you call that the secu the security tape lingerie the caution tape the caution tape lingerie listen i it sounded really um gauche <laughs> <laughs> it sounded very it, i don't know i just couldn't wrap my hand around it so i i feel like it would have been helpful because in my imagination it just did not live up to what was on the page they just kept repeating the the caution tape underwear like that kept getting brought up caution tape is really wide so I, I'm like, is it mini caution tape? Is it like tiny strips that have caution on them? Or is it supposed to actually mimic, mimic realistic caution tape? In which case, it is very thick. Like, how is that supposed to feel like dainty and rip offable? Like, it just, um, I, and need, then I needed drawings. <laughs> I don't want to get too, too into it because Dre has some questions for us. But then the last thing that I wanted to mention 
I did find that anytime that they were describing the photography uh, and then how they were like, wait, stop right there. I'm going to take a picture of you. So cringe. Quite possibly like the most like unattractive, unconvincingly like uncool description of photography and photographers that I have ever seen. I just but need they, to capture the leather of your jacket. Yeah, like listen, just the life. lighting right there. I need you to stop right there. and I'm going to take a picture of you. And I was just like, who fucking talks like this? Overall, kind of an underwhelming read, but there were a lot of like wins here for me. And if things didn't work, it was just like a combination of a lot of little things. Um, that's just, those are my thoughts. Drea, you have some questions for us. So um, let's just dive in. <laughs> I think you both mentioned being a little underwhelmed with the romantic lead. Um, and so I'm not going to ask if you were shipping them or or what you thought the chemistry was like. But I am curious because this book, um, it didn't have a ton of like sex scenes, but it definitely had a lot of like sexy moments. And so I was curious, like what your favorite sexy moment of this book was. And you can interpret that however you would like. It could be actual sex and touching or not. So one of the one of the scenes that really stuck out to me was definitely one of the sex scenes where they finally hook up and he's like done. He's like he came and he came and was like, oh, I'm going to need a break before we do round two. He's like, definitely want a round two. Oh, read Montgomery. And um, she's like, uh, I don't want to wait. So get to work. And so she, he like fiddle diddles her until she like orgasms again. Like, you know, she, I like how she's very much in the bedroom guarded with her feelings because this is a kind of like a complicated workplace um, romance and workplace relationship, which <laughs> like a theme in December. <laughs> um, but I did like that she was very forward and wasn't like meek, but I, I did really like that scene. I remember being like, mm, okay, Miss Cassie. All right. That one's the one that sticks out in my mind. I think my favorite parts were when Cassie was like dressed up for the photo shoots. And then it was like the empowerment of walking out into set and having everyone's eyes on her and knowing that they had to put on this air of being professional but both of them wanted to like get with each other so uh with the sex scenes like they were good but i think there was like the anticipation of it and also the fact that there was so much nudity involved in their professional setting and reed basically being like you can't look at me like that and her being like what and him like like you're hungry like you're like you want to eat me or something and her being like what that I thought was like fun. Like I thought that was sexy because it's like the the feeling of, you know, you have a secret with this other person and not everyone knows what's going on, but you both know. And so they have to pretend like it's just, you know, yesterday's news that she's standing here in these thigh high leather boots with like her little her little outfit. Um, so I think that those scenes I thought were pretty sexy because I think that anticipation of it and and building the tension was like, I know that would have been really, like, hot IRL. I was going to agree. Those are my favorite scenes, too, um, just because they were, like, a little bit, like, um, ex exhibition-y, too, because it wasn't just him looking at her. It was, like, sometimes they were, like, out on the street or, like, on the lobby of a building. Like, anybody walking by could just see this woman in her lingerie. Um, so I think I, I was definitely into those scenes the most as well. I think I texted you while I was reading it and I was like, oh, this is a sexy book. And I, like, I hadn't got into the sex scenes yet, but I was just like, oh, <laughs> I, I like these, uh, little modeling bits. Um, but speaking of the modeling and the photography, um, you knew I was going to ask this, but I'm curious, like, have you all ever done boudoir? Would you ever do it? Um, or or not necessarily um you know she um she kind of does a little bit of like erotic photography too because she has like the couple and stuff um which i think is getting to be like a little common like i have a friend in the area who does boudoir 
and then like very erotic stuff. She has like two separate web pages, you know, but she does both. Uh, but yeah, so I was just curious, like, have you ever done it? Would you ever want to do it? Why or why not? I want to do it. I I have this painting from this guy who basically does like drawings of naked people in space. And he also does photography of nudes, but with colors and lights projected onto the people. And so that's how he does these. He'll do these couple photographies where it's like nudity, but it's very psychedelic. There's all these colors and patterns that he'll project onto people. And I've followed him for a while. And I think he he takes like, you can hire him to photograph you. And so I've always wanted to do that. And I've talked to like Ivan about doing that because I think it'd be really cool to have something that's like kind of sexy and really artsy and like is nudity, but not necessarily full frontal nudity to have as like an art piece in our home. I love this idea of like (laughs) of us still doing like only lovers book club meetings like 30 years from now and your background being like it's just the erotic as just you and erotic, I've been erotic galaxy. <laughs> it's like a, a row of like erotic paintings of you it's and just I. my boobs at different stages of my life <laughs> i missed the first like i missed a, a good decades worth of, of titties though so gotta get in there <laughs> all right you got time to catch up you have time to catch up yeah i've never felt like I wanted to do boudoir I've never been like comfortable taking pictures I don't like I just it's too embarrassing for me I know that it stems from like feeling ashamed of my body because I feel like it doesn't look the way that it's supposed to look and I know that probably with a photographer it would it would be different but the the idea of like posing in my underwear and posing naked uh, sounds alluring and I don't knock it but me myself I have like body stuff to work through before I get to the level where I'm gonna do it professional like that it's gonna be professional looking or whatever because if you're asking if I've taken nudes <laughs> yes <laughs> I don't know it's it's because I'm taking the picture and I feel like I, I know how I want it to look I feel like that maybe is different um I've never done it for the same reasons you said I think um the, I, I think because it's like the expectation is that these are very like sexy pictures. They're very sensual pictures. And I don't really think of myself like in those terms. And so, yeah, I admire pictures of other people, especially um, I really like people who do those kinds of photographs like outdoors, like in the forest and rivers and stuff like that. Um, but I just yeah, I think I would have a really hard time. um just feeling comfortable in those kinds of poses and and stuff. That being said, I have modeled nude for like live drawing kind of situations, but I think it's because there's no pressure, right? Like they just need different bodies to draw, to practice drawing. And so it's not like, oh, I'm posing and looking. It's just like me standing there holding a plant. You know, it's just sensually like, holding this. Not even it's just, just me standing there holding a plant. You know, it's just like very not. It's just like an everyday, just like you would stand in your kitchen kind of thing. Um, like I've definitely never done. I feel like that's a topic that like you see a lot in like erotica and stuff. It's like it's not that kind of posing. Like this is very much just like sit in a chair and just like daydream for a while literally stand here and hold a plant or like it's like stuff like that so um i think it was and i and i mean i got paid too so (laughs) it's like a big motivation it was like that kind of thing where like i never really had to see the final product i didn't take it home with me there was no expectation of like i have to look good it was more like let my body be a teaching tool for people trying to draw more bodies you know and so um I think that's why I felt okay like doing that versus I think I would be very, very uncomfortable and very self-conscious if I tried to do a pose like uh, this lovely lady behind me (laughs) in my background (laughs) or um, wearing something like that. I think I would be I would be very self-conscious. So, yeah, but I am I, I do find it very beautiful and I really look forward to the art series, your art series to shy. 
Well, I guess my next question is kind of um, going along with what you said about um, body positivity, which um, there's there's a lot of that in here, and specifically um, fat positivity and like plus body sizing. Um, but not just that. There was I feel like there were there were a lot of like um, messages that the author was trying to get across, like in addition to sort of the romance plot, one of them being all the stuff about fat positivity, but also like Cassie talks a lot about um, gender inequalities in her profession and like racism and um, the privilege or lack of privilege that, you know, some photographers have versus others when trying to get jobs, um, you know, and they talk about like sex and relationships. And um, I was just curious uh, how you felt about that. Like if you felt like it detracted from the romance, like if it was like too much or if you like appreciated those conversations. Uh, I'm just curious because it felt like there were a lot of conversations going on in this book, like not just between the characters, but also just like between the author and us readers. I Okay, so sometimes when I'm reading a book and the author clearly is trying to express a specific point of view it can feel like there is a lot being said to the audience that doesn't necessarily feel like it's a natural way that a conversation would go this happens a lot if you watch Grey's Anatomy <laughs> there will be a themed episode where suddenly we're talking about you know being uh, like a black doctor in a primarily white hospital and the conversations are very much bullet points of like race theory and critical thinking and they speak to each other as if they had all gone to grad school to be able to analyze and discuss these topics and it doesn't feel like the way that a normal conversation would go because rarely do you have a conversation where someone is like receiving a TED talk and then they give back a TED talk and in the scenes where Cassie was trying to like educate um what's his face rick is that his name i forgot his name reed reed <laughs> reed rick reed in the scenes where she was trying to kind of express her struggles with reed it was very um it was a lot sometimes and and it's like i understand that she's trying to express her experience to him but it was also like very not necessarily preachy but very like i'm gonna give you this like essay about my experience and i can just picture him sitting there kind of like what is going on like i i didn't know like i don't know how to react to this i don't know if you're like accusing me of something and it wasn't like a con it didn't feel like a conversation it wasn't like hey you did this thing and it was upsetting because i've had experiences with xyz this is something that you should be mindful of Instead, it was treated almost like a, well, systemically, blah, 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 blah. And it would kind of dig into a lot of these different topics. And it kind of feels like, okay, I understand what you're trying to do. And I, and, and like, I get it, but it feels like maybe one thing is where you start talking to him about, like, yo, you're trying to take my job. And I, as a black woman, struggle to get these jobs. And like, it's really frustrating that you just kind of jumped in and you, you get this handed to you. And then as their relationship progresses, then you have deeper conversations about these other things that also impact your life. But like, I, given that he's a very boring lead in the first place, I was kind of surprised that he would put up with being spoken to many times about these different things. And then like, didn't, I don't know. He just I, I'm surprised he wasn't just like confused half of the time about what he was being spoken to about and what she was talking about because he doesn't know her. He doesn't know anything about her. He's just meeting her for the first time. And she's like unleashing this torrent of like all the shit that she's had to go through as a human being. And he's just like, but you're so hot. What do you mean you don't get jobs? What? But you're so good at your job. Why wouldn't you not get jobs? You're so good at it and you're hot. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Look at the systemic rates. So. I think it makes sense that she has all these things she wants to talk about. I think I, it didn't really make sense to me that it would happen so often with like this one guy. Uh, I yeah, I agree with Tosh on your points on how it just felt like very heavy handed, at least during her speeches. But it, it didn't. It felt heavy handed, but it didn't feel unrealistic. Does that make sense? I felt like I could definitely picture someone 
laying in on this motherfucker who's been taking her jobs, you know? And I think it's to Reed's like credit to the author's credit that, you know, she makes Reed, I guess, he seems like he's really receptive to the comments, you know? <laughs> I don't think he acts on them immediately. And I think that that's where the reality sets in, right? He's like, whoa, I'm so sorry. And then that's it. So then Makes later money. on, exactly. Later on when it comes up again and she's, you know, she does have to, and it, I guess to me as the reader, since I have the full extent, I understand that he needs multiple, <laughs> he needs this multiple times because you know, maybe he, you know, because he is kind of like being really underhanded in in making money for X, Y, Z reasons for his family. Um, but it's not until like he gets it. And that's I think that's just how it is with with people. And that's how it is with men. I feel like it is. Unfortunately, many women have to step in. Many women of color, many black women have to step in to unfortunately just tell people how real how the world works and how. Reed's reality is not what her reality is. And it's like a ever constant struggle. Even with him knowing those things, he still needs to be reminded because he's going to have like these blind spots. He's not going to be able to, you know, see it all because that's just been his default. Like I'm definitely this kind of person who would have absolutely had that conversation and then sent a playlist of like, here are women explaining for like an average of 20 minutes to an hour on the you know systemic injustices and i'm gonna need you to watch every single one i'm gonna need you to take notes and then i'm gonna need you to come back ready for the discussion so <laughs> again very heavy-handed but i do think that it sets up what happens between them really really well and i don't know if we're gonna talk about like the end or whatever um yeah that's actually so that's actually my next question because um you know, whenever whenever there's a book where something happens, you know, either a big breakup or a miscommunication or something, I feel like we often have uh, differing opinions about like, would you have taken this person back? Would you have forgiven this person? I'm always curious as to how everybody else feels because a lot of times we don't think the same way. And so I was curious about how you felt um, I guess two-parted how you felt about the miscommunication in this book, which I think is like pretty big. <laughs> um, and then I guess how you felt about his way of apologizing and, and, you know, would you have forgiven Reed Montgomery? Assuming that you liked him to begin with, you know, I know you, neither of you were really into him, but assuming that you were as into him as Cassie was, <laughs> You know, would you forgive someone who you were very into for something like this? I, as Cassie, would not have forgiven Reed. Because, A, he's not that interesting. B, knowing the conversations that I had with him about how much I had struggled in my career and the many, many times that I explained all these things to him, for it to then be revealed that this whole time he was conspiring against me to get more money and get the title... I wouldn't have forgiven that because he was willing to, at least up to a point, sell her out. Like, he was selling her out that whole time. And this, like, lack of integrity would have been something that I couldn't have forgiven. Give me my money. Give me my title. And then don't talk to me again. Because at the end of the day, I did all the work. You literally just pushed a button. I could have pushed the button had I been given the option to figure out how to do it myself. If it had been someone who was way more interesting than Reed, then we have a conversation about it. We figure it out. But me as her character and like given the time frame that this all happened in, uh, yeah, he was a good lay and he was handsome, but like he's going to be fine without me and I'm going to be super fine without him. Like I don't need him to be able to continue my career and like pursue my friendships and relationships. It's totally fine. I don't like, I don't need him. Uh, and if anything, having a relationship with him then means that going forward, people are going to think I'm getting jobs through nepotism. So bye. <laughs> All right. So to Shiza, no, Chris. <laughs> so controversially, uh, I really, I felt, I felt fine with her forgiving him. And I thought that was really, I thought that was 
interesting of me because I'm usually the one who's like, no, absolutely not. And I mean, up to a certain point, it's super fucked up, you know? Um, especially right with the whole context of like, I've literally been talking to you this entire time and I like sent you the video essay playlist. Like you should obviously I should have clicked sooner. But I guess maybe because Reed, in my opinion, was just not smart. <laughs> and so I believed that it just did not click for him. Having context about his family situation and just in general, just just wanting him to be able to have that for his brother and, you know, having his own kind of like place. I felt like it wasn't the worst of reasons. Right. And I also felt like it wasn't like he was sending like very detailed, like he was, he was selling her out, but he was doing it in a very half-assed way. Nothing to worry about here. You know, it's not like he was like, well, you know, giving details about every single thing and whatever, you know, it, it was very much like, it's all right to me, you know, again, read Montgomery. What can I say? And so in the greater context of it, I did not find it that it was, it was that horrible of a betrayal, but I do also like that they they after everything comes out and the way that she tells him just ad, if you don't want to if you can't admit that the money was just too good to pass up then we have nothing to talk about here and i think that that was a really good point because at the end of the day they both just need money because we live in a society and we need money and she can recognize like she can see that he didn't do it to hurt her he did it as a means to an end for his you know kind of like financial stability and for his brother's financial stability so i could see that she saw that as well not cool not great not excusable but like i think that reed needed to be this boring because if he had been any more one percent more dickish it would have been completely unforgivable and it would just would not have worked with her forgiving him and her forgiving him for me hinged on him doing the thing that white people never want to do for people of color and black people which is bring himself down a, a ring a rung <laughs> in the financial situation that he's in to then make space and uplift her you know like some people are like well what am i supposed to do i'm supposed to quit my job and give all my money to black people yes that's exactly what you're supposed to do that does mean making sacrifices that does mean giving up shit that you don't want to give up now i have questions is the name actually on the entire catalog did she get her check i don't know but overall, I felt like, okay, because of all those other little pieces, because of Reed's financial situation, because he was just not giving as much information, like, and then at the end, when he kind of does this, and it doesn't feel very savory, it just really feels like all of the things kind of click for him where he's like, I realize that you deserve this, and I have power to make it happen for you. And so yeah, I'm okay with her forgiving him. Cheers. That's it. <laughs> I do think at the end it comes off kind of savory because the way that he is like, your photographs are here and I've called these people and I've brought these people in and I've done this and I've done this for you. That that to me, the presentation of him like making amends felt um, a little like performative. He's like, I don't need you to forgive me, but here's these 17 things that I did to, like, make up for the fact that I did this to you. T to me, that does not mean that he has earned her back. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like I understand that he had financial reasons to be doing this. Why didn't he just tell her? Yeah. I mean, it's a miscommunication trope for a reason, right? Why? Like, I've told you all of these things that I've gone through. Mm -hmm. All you had to do was tell me I need this check because my yeah. brother and I grew up in a fucked up situation. He's a coward. And we would have figured it out together. But no, yeah. you had sex with me. Yeah. You told the bosses about this stuff in a way where you feel like you can still be the good guy because mm -hmm. you didn't sell me out completely. You're still getting paid. <laughs> yeah, with the author's messaging, I think um I understand what you were saying, Chris, about the Sometimes you have to talk a lot of times you have to talk to people multiple times before they get it. Um, I just don't know that I want to read that in my romance, if that makes sense. Um, so it felt like a little. Or I guess to me, it felt like a little heavy handed for what I wanted out of this romance, but I totally understand that it happens in real life. Um, as far as the forgiving, I would not have forgiven him, but for slightly different reasons i think um had i found out about the betrayal in private 
it would have been one thing. But the fact that she finds out in the middle of this photo shoot, like the and she the and she it's not that he tells her she over she overhears yeah, it too, the which spiraling is just... panic attack I would have had on this set. I would have never recovered from that humiliation of everyone seeing me spiral out and because because she does spiral out even if it's in a different way than how I would have like she rages like I would not have gotten over that humiliation that like very public humiliation in front of the man that I'm sleeping with all of my coworkers who are also my only friends and also my bosses and the people who can like make or break me in this industry I just would not have been able to get over that. So it would have been like um, uh, a pride thing for sure in the sense of like that just very public like finding out not because some, you know, I just think it would have been different if um, he had he had either told like Tashai was saying, like told me privately, we'd had a conversation about it. Or even if I had just found out, but found out in the privacy of my own home, it just would have ended up differently than the way it actually played out. That's what I couldn't get over. It's like I couldn't erase that memory. <laughs> even though it ended up like working out for her because they loved her passion or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I just would not have been able to get over it. <laughs> so yeah, um, I I was uh, team no. Oh boy, this is coming out. Okay, um, I only have one more question, and that is, um, so this is this is going to be a romance series, uh, from from what I can tell, um, with books for each of the the different boudoir business ladies. Um, so the next book is going to be about um. The one that's like dating his brother. The like Gen Zer, the like cranky girl. The grumpy one. Yeah. The, the April Ludgate of this group. Oh, yeah. The Wednesday yeah, Adam. She's going to be book <laughs> yeah. two. Like, that book is announced. It's definitely happening. So I can only assume that it will continue from then, um, you know, with the other one who's dating his friend. I mean, they're all like in the same circles, clearly. Yeah. Um, but so I was just curious, like, who was your friend? favorite of these ladies like which one would you most want to read a romance about so I feel like I don't want to read any of them because I feel like I already haven't had enough of that on the page to know like how it's gonna go I don't know if that's unfair but okay what I do want I want a prequel romance to Dana and her wife that's the one I want to read I want to know how they got together. I want to see like the 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 struggles with the baby making or whatever. Like I, that's the romance that I. That's the happily ever after I want. I feel like she let too much on in this one. There's not enough mystery. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Tasha? You you tell me. Uh, I agree. I think I'd rather read a prequel because Dana sounds like a lot, just the way that she is as a character and i am curious as to how she and her wife got together and what kind of person her wife is to be able to be the one who brings her down and also has the patience to deal with someone who is like drama and oh my god blah 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 because that's a lot like you need to be a real specific person to be able to manage someone like that aka ivan when i'm having a bad day <laughs> um and then with the other two couples yeah it's like andy and april like that's gonna be the the assistant girl and then yeah the friend and this other chick yeah it's gonna be about like oh they're all sleeping around but like whoops they actually fall for each other yeah and i think um I actually, as I was reading the story, I wasn't compelled to believe that her team were all just like so great based on how they were being described because it leaned on kind of really like generic ways of describing people. And so all I could see when they would describe the one younger one who was grumpy, it's like she never smiles. She never smiles at anyone, but we all love her, but she never smiles and she's always angry and she insults everyone. The person who was like that in real life doesn't have friends. Like, it, it is, what? I, I, there was, like, no moment where she was nice except for, like, once or twice where she, like, a hint of a smile cracked. Or she, like, kind of was like, oh, yeah, like, we've got your back. Uh. But it just, I kept reading it and seeing it as, like, really cartoony. So I can't imagine a full story where this 
feels like a real person and not like a, a like the Stereotype? office character or like Parks and Rec character or like Wednesday Adams character. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, oh my gosh, like what's worse than fucking Reed Montgomery? Russ Montgomery? I'm going to read a fucking romance about this asshole? I don't think so. I'm sorry. He's just, again, some other fucking guy that like doesn't need to be here. It doesn't matter how, like, you know, Wednesday, April Ludgate, Daria, you know, um, this character is. Like, there's no way this he's like that fucking her Daria's boyfriend in like the very last season of Daria, where he was just some guy. And you're just like, why are they together? I don't Tom? understand. This. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Tom. I don't want to read that romance. I I'm holding on hope that like, you know, she's bisexual and then it turns out that she's in love or has more chemistry with the British co-worker. That one I would read. Like both of these side relationships failed and then they realize that the grumpy sunshine is them too. I like that. And then they I'll kiss. read that. And then they kiss. Yes, that's the one I want. I, I don't want any. Get, get the straight shit out of my face. <laughs> The makeup artist confesses her love to Grumpy by just uh, doing goth makeup. Yeah, like maybe they switch places. <laughs> well, I'm, one I'm day. sorry to tell you that definitely does not happen in because uh, I feel Danielle, like I read here the are, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would be, I would be into reading the Grumpy Girl one if it wasn't Reed's brother. Like, I feel like in general, I am into Grumpy Girls, but I just would not want to read about um you don't want to read about russ never kept a yeah. job montgomery yeah so i would also be team team prequel for sure or um honestly or even even it doesn't have to be a prequel it can start off with the baby and like maybe that makes things really hard and they have to like romance each other again and like renew their vows or like like i'd be into that book too get some flashbacks thrown in there that tells the love yeah, story yeah i would i would read that it is it's like almost like a second chance thing but like they're married throughout the whole thing but they just have to like i don't know um but yeah i was really i was really into that relationship um more but yeah that's all the questions i have for you all ah, another year of only lovers in the books woof i mean i still i enjoyed the you know i and i had a good time while reading this i was expecting to not have like a good time because i heard like really underwhelming things and yes the story had its issues you know what i will say too story aside i really enjoyed reading this as a floppy paperback oh yeah because yes. so it's a it's a paperback but it's not like those those like fat smaller ones what do you call mm -hmm. those paperbacks that romance the chonky ones Tra the trade paperbacks trade yeah paperback. it's not that it's like a full-sized like literary fiction kind of paperback and those are the extra floppy ones <laughs> I, just really I love, a, I love a good floppy book yeah <laughs> i also oh. that cover doodle she looks can get so it. good. Yeah, it's really She's good. Boy, yeah, aka Danielle Jackson. They just look exactly the same with the freckles and, and the everything. Colors. I really love the colors. You're too. fine, yes. bro. You're fine. I mean, so you're like, telling me you're that so that settled for real, <laughs> dude. Yeah, dude. God damn it. Like in in real life, IRL. If you were Cassie and you were like, "Oh, should I forgive?" I'd be like, "Fuck no, bitch! If you no. fucking forgive him, it's the end of our friendship. Don't I will never be able to respect you." Oh my God. <laughs> Pretend you forgive him, get all his contacts, and then dump him. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's not my fucking <laughs> business. Basically, I I think that might be the reason why I was like okay with it. I really did feel like eh. I don't know. I felt very apathetic. It might, might be because of the book or because of other things happening, but <laughs> I was like whatever. Who cares? um so yeah no uh great questions drea great pick for the end of the year and uh yeah we are gonna get together later on to do our you know retrospective and our only lovers awards um but until then uh, let me know what are you what are you reading what you're reading these days um i am reading two books i am reading accessing the future um which is from another book club that i participate in called queerthology <laughs> where we read anthologies <laughs> this one is a speculative disability fiction anthology so i've been reading this one slowly like a story here and there because that's what i like to do with anthologies 
and then I'm reading um, Light from the from Uncommon Stars. It's probably hard to see because it's a library. It's got that library binding that's just very shiny. Um, and that one's really good too. And it's really weird. It's got like aliens that make donuts and violin teachers that have sold their soul to the devil and like trans runaway prodigies and yeah, I, gardening and ducks and it's just, yeah, I feel like I, I know that you said you didn't tell me about this book but I, I put it in my roundup and I remember talking to you about this and being like this is like a strange trans sci-fi story that I didn't even know what to expect from it and so yeah I read it last year and I went back and I checked my roundup and I was like I did include this in there I know mm -hmm. I told her about it but uh, I guess you know there's so many Maybe books I hadn't I hadn't come far enough in my spec Speculative journey oh, to, to really absorb okay. it. I think Welcome. now, now I'm more open to things from galaxies far away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to my Gmail because I actually just got a notification of the physical one, but it's the one of like something destroy you with my beauty. The one that was like a really long title. Oh, you made a fool of death with your yes. beauty. Yes. Yes. So my, you made a death out of. I mean, you made a fool out of death with your beauty. It's yes. ready in the library for me to go pick it up tomorrow. And then I'm also probably about halfway through with um, Where the Crawdads Sing. I'm reading a really funny book. It's called Professor Charlatan Bardot's Travel Anthology to the Most Fictional Haunted Buildings in the Weird Wild World. I saw this. Uh, <laughs> it's I think a very long title. It was a very long title. Yeah, that's the entire title. No, I, I know, but it, like the whole thing is on the book cover. Yes, the whole thing is on the book cover. It is <laughs> huge. It is huge. And it is, it's a fun book. Um, It's kind of like, a, I guess, like a faux Atlas Obscura type situation or, you know, like these stories. And so it's kind of like this atlas of these weird places. And it's just a fun, it's just a fun little read. I saw it on the, I think the Locust, Locust Magazine was had showed up some horror awards and that one was from the horror anthology category and i said wow that's a long title what's up with that and then i went maybe my library has it and of course they did so i picked up a copy and i'm just kind of <laughs> making that my end of year read thank you so much for hanging out with us in our discussion of the accidental pinup by daniel jackson we will see you next year <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey, we're gonna start the year off with some sapphic YA, but until then, we'll see you in the next one. Bye, happy 2022, y'all! Happy holidays! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us. You can support Only Lovers Book Club by dropping some change in our tip jar and buying some books with our bookshop link. You can find us on Instagram at Only Lovers Book Club, and from there, find our individual accounts and projects. Feel free to favorite or rate us if that's an option for you, but always make sure to like and subscribe and turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode.